0: Welcome to Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media, where we help make families the best they can be. With this episode, we start a new series of podcasts that focus in on real family and relationship issues. And we're pleased to be joined by marriage counsellor and family expert, Derek Boylan, Together, we will explore the most pressing issues facing families today. As well as a practicing counsellor, Derek is the director of the Centre for Life, Marriage and Family in the Archdiocese of Perth, and is also a sessional lecturer for the University of Notre Dame in the discipline of counselling. He is extremely well qualified, and we are very pleased to have him join us again on Figuring Out Families. We hope you enjoy and find this series valuable. This is the first episode of our special series with Derek Borland, and we're very happy to have him join us over the next few weeks. It's great to have you with us for this important series, Derek. Thanks, David. It's good to be back on the show. What are some of the topics we'll be covering in future episodes? look i think it 's a really great opportunity
1: to cover a lot of different topics um, that uh, that what we know about what we know works in families you know there 's uh some researchers that actually say that we actually know enough about marriage and family life um, to end divorce for those people who wanted it and uh, and so it 's really great to explore you know a whole range of different ideas i mean communication is obviously central to to healthy, strong relationships and how we talk about uh, issues and things and on a day to day basis so hopefully look at uh, a lot of different range of sort of communication skills, problem solving, but also some of the fun stuff as well. How do we keep romance alive? How do we keep fun alive in families? Uh, And I hope that we'll sort of cover a few kind of maybe ideas that are a little bit less familiar to people like love maps and uh, and how those, you know, work to be able to keep romance and keep connection alive in relationships. So I'm kind of looking forward to covering and
0: exploring a whole range of different uh, things that we know work in family life. Yeah, I'm. I'm really excited about love maps. I hadn't heard about love maps until recently, so that that'll be one of special interest. I think. Mm, it's a pretty new concept, and uh, and it's come out of fresh research. So it's uh, a lot of
1: families aren't aware of it, and yet there's something that's really easy to develop in uh, in family relationships, and that actually go a long way to building connection.
0: COVID nineteen has been the focus really um, uh, for all of us in the last few months, and uh, that's what we'll be talking about obviously in this uh, first episode. Yeah, it's a it's a huge issue for
1: us uh, in the world today, and uh, and our communities and our families. So uh, I think it's a, a really great
0: place to start. And for many, the experience hasn't been positive. Uh, or has been positive, but not for everyone. How do you think the pandemic has changed families? A fairly broad question to start with. Yeah, sure. Look, I think it's changed families, you know, in a, on every level
1: and, you know, in almost every family across our community. It's really quite, uh, you know, an unprecedented change um, that's, that's community-wide or globally as well, and uh, and for everybody at the same time. You know, how we spend our time has, uh, has dramatically changed. You know, who we spend our time with has changed um, you know, how much time we spend with different people has changed. And, um, and for many, it's also meant quite significant change in their, in their working relationships. So, you know, who they're working with and, uh, and the time they spend with those people, whether they're working from home now, uh, it's changed home life. So, you know, how much time we spend with the people in our home and, um, and, you know, how we communicate with one another and the times of day that we communicate with one another, you know, it's changed, um, our leisure time, like what we do to relax, we have a, a national park up here and um, and I was talking to one of the the rangers there the other day and he sort of said we've had more people in our national park than, than we've ever had in the last sort of 10 years. And, and I think, you know, for okay. m- most of us we're used to changes that happen on a um, – you know, just maybe in work life or just in home life or leisure time, but this is a, a change that has affected every aspect of family life. And uh, so I think it's a it's a, a massive change for people. And, and as I said, I think for some people, it's been positive, but for a lot of people, it's been a real challenge as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Just being um, specific and drilling down a little bit, what are some of the good things and perhaps some of the bad things that you've seen uh, uh, in your role uh, uh, with your work life and also with your own family life? Yeah, I
1: think, um, look, I think there uh, probably many of us will be pretty familiar with some of the negative things that um, the, the consequences of COVID-19, particularly when it comes to people, you know, losing their job or, or even just having job uncertainty. Um, and that puts a lot of pressure and stress on, um, you know, families and, and family life and their, their concerns about how they provide for their families. Um, but there's also been some good things as well you know, people having a, a good reason to maybe let go of some old vices maybe that have held them back, yeah. um, you know, changing the way that they spend their time. Uh, certainly what I've found is a lot of people have talked to, uh, to me about, you know, reaching out to people that they haven't spoken to in a long time, you know, realizing that there's, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at home and uh, and I might give that person a phone call or send them a WhatsApp message or, you know, some way of connecting with them um, because, you know, now I've got the time available to do it. But I guess, um, you know, the place where I see both, you know, the good and the bad is, I guess, people are spending a lot more time with their families. And, uh, and some people yes. have experienced that as a really positive thing. And other people are really
0: struggling with that as well. Well, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I've, I've been working from home for a few months now, and I never thought I'd enjoy it. But uh, I've really got into the swinging things. And I've actually had time to think about people I haven't spoken to for a while and emailed. And that, that has been a good thing.
1: Yeah. And certainly I've found that terrific. People have reached out to me as well, you know, messaged me that I haven't spoken to in a long time. So I said, oh, you know, would it be good to have a Zoom chat or, a, you know, a phone call? And, uh, and it's actually been a, a nice change, a welcome change. Um, certainly I've sort of found that, that that's, uh, I think, a really great thing that's actually come out of COVID-19 and maybe unexpected as well, I guess, for all of us.
0: Yeah, I mean, and people often used to go on about being time poor. But, um, you know, if you don't have to drive to work, and you're not spending that time in the car, and you've got a bit more time in the morning, you can actually think of these things. And uh, I think, as you mentioned, that's been uh, an absolute positive for uh, contacting and uh, reconnecting with people we haven't spoken to for a while yeah like a great uh, you know that uh, i guess that change in how we spend our time
1: because we don't have the, the commute uh, for those who are working from home i think is uh, an interesting one and i think about my own experience and uh and one of the things i really love about that is that when i finish work at the end of the day you know five steps later i'm in the kitchen and i'm with the family and uh and i can be with the people that i love um at the same time when i'm in the middle of work and uh and try to focus on what i need to do five steps away is all the kids having a tantrum and, uh, and Karen and my wife <laughs> having a wobbly at them. And uh, and so, uh, I think, you know, that, that change is, it has its good and its challenging aspects as well.
0: Yeah, well, that's what families are all about. I mean, my kids are in their 20s now, so they don't throw wobblies. But uh, I certainly remember the uh, the tantrums when they were three and four uh, and I don't miss them, let me tell you. Mm, mm, absolutely. Uh, getting to issues, and you, you did mention uh, before about uh, some families are really cope well, some haven't. Uh, when you know, for the the other half have been at home the full time as well. Um, what sort of issues have you heard about? It, the putting pressure on the couples. Yeah, I think for couples, one of the biggest
1: uh, challenges is you know is renegotiating roles in their marriages. You know, often couples sort of get into sort of familiar roles, you know, maybe one person's at home, the other person's at working, they're both working um, and they have a sort of a pattern of day-to-dayness of, um, you know, work and family life and one person maybe, you know, does the washing and or the dishes this particular way or cooks at this time of the day and the other person's at work and now that they're both in the same space more often and to a higher degree, there is a kind of a renegotiation of those roles. And uh, and often that's a little bit little bit challenging, you know, where it first sort of comes up that negotiation is a. Sometimes it sounds like criticism. Why do you do it that way, or you know, why can't you do it like this, or do you have to do it at this time of the day? And uh, yeah, working out how to sort of negotiate those roles is a bit of a challenge, I think, for for couples, but also you know young people I think are, ch- are challenged as well. Um, you know, particularly young adults. You know, at a time in their life when they're you know, generally stretching their wings and, you know, wanting to spend more time outside the home with their friends, um, you know, discovering who they are and, you know, developing, um, you know, their, you know, skills for for work, suddenly they're thrown back into home life, you know, in a pretty intense way and at a time when they really would probably rather many of them want to be outside of the home and so that sort of adds another element of pressure. And then I guess... Yeah, for sure. um, You know, when we had the the bushfires earlier in the... um, and earlier in the year, we saw a spike in domestic violence, and and certainly that seems to be something that's happened among some families, uh, which is a real challenge. You know that pressure is um, in their family life is sort of spilt over in a negative way. Uh, you know, to people hurting one another, and of course that's that's never okay. But you know, we can understand that it must be really difficult for those families to work out how to manage that. <sighs>
0: Yeah, and what you say about um, your your negotiation skills—I mean, that's a good thing. And I think I I get the feeling that younger people today are better at talking, uh, and uh, compared to my generation, and certainly compared to my father's generation, they're really uh, they—they express their feelings better. I I don't know whether I'm right in saying that, but that's what I feel. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right there, um,
1: David. Certainly, you know, in the last. A couple of decades, we've put a lot more effort into helping young people to understand their emotions, their feelings, how to express them, and I think they do they're pretty well actually. You know, between one another, and sometimes between siblings. Um, sometimes it's a bit more tricky for them when it comes to mum and dad. Um, you know, there's uh, mum and dad haven't had the same upbringing, and so it can be a, a little bit challenging for them to work out how to have a how to have a voice
0: there yeah exactly uh now speaking of bigger families, you do have a big family and uh uh full full uh you know f- fantastic that you do but I imagine there's more complexity with bigger families uh parents are dealing with more voices more demands more issues uh what's it like for you <laughs> yeah well, we've got eight children, so we have a pretty big family and it's really been interesting to sort of see yep. how
1: this has uh influenced our family life you know on one level um we uh I guess we're actually pretty proficient in dealing with uh, with complex situations because we live with that all the time. You know, I think uh, there's a great example where, you know, if you have, say, for instance, um, you know, three children the number of sort of possible combinations where things could go wrong is around about six. So, you know, any two children could have a bit of an argument All three of them could have an argument together or each individual child could have their own sort of problem. But as you, uh, as yeah. you grow your family, the amount of complexity and number of possible combinations of ways of things going wrong sort of dramatically increases exponentially. And, uh, uh, so there, on one level, there is a sort of a bit of proficiency around dealing with complex situations. At the same time, it's it's also brought you know COVID nineteen has brought a whole bunch of new um, challenges that we hadn't sort of considered before. Um, an example would be just uh, with some of the restrictions around you know purchasing you know toilet paper and milk and eggs and and just basic sort of necessities in our home. Um, you know a, a full shopping cart for us isn't hoarding it's just getting through the week and uh and so it feels a little bit strange sometimes going down to the, the shopping the supermarket and uh and karen's got uh, just one or two kids in tow and a very full um shopping trolley and people sort of giving her funny looks and uh and so it's uh it has sort of, and of course you know trying to keep um you know, the social distancing requirements and things like that. We have a bigger family who would normally be more socially engaged outside the family home, uh, doing lots of things coming in and out of the home and trying to make sure that we really keep hand washing and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and keep on top of those things is a, is a
0: challenge as well. Right. I imagine you and Karen would be very good at negotiating with eight children. You would have become very proficient at it over time.
1: (laughs) Certainly. I think we've definitely improved our negotiation skills. At the very beginning, I think it was just dad's way is the way that things are going to get done. Um, But as they've sort of got bigger, I've realised I've got to improve my own communication skills here and my negotiating skills. Uh, Sometimes just the reverse psychology that worked when they were five years old
0: isn't so as effective when they're 18. No, no, they're very good at uh, asking why after a while. It's all, it's all well and good, you know, up until the age of three or four. But after that, they uh, they become quite proficient themselves at, uh, you know, stepping back and saying, well, why, why do you want me to do it this way? And uh, it does make it interesting for parents, yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's a funny thing, you know, this COVID-19. Often,
1: you know, when there are issues in a family that, you know, that aren't working quite well, I guess an example that I sometimes use is it's sort of like a low burning fire. You know, there's Things aren't going brilliantly well, but you know, but we can sort of put up with it, and we don't have to spend a lot of time with one another because we go off to work and we go off to school and and other places. And there's always things to distract us, like you know, um, you know, YouTube and uh, and video games and things like that. But uh, but something like coronavirus sort of throws us all into this intense situation and. And those problems that were once a a sort of a low burning fire that we could sort of ignore a little bit, suddenly it's like, you know, adding petrol to that. It suddenly becomes a raging issue and (laughs) trying to work out how do we manage that, you know, realizing that there are maybe things that we've just sort of ignored that need to be addressed here. But trying to address them in in an intense situation can be really problematic for families. I know they really struggle with that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, every family has its issues, different issues at times. And uh, sometimes even when uh, your children become adults, it doesn't necessarily become any easier. The only thing that makes it easier is when they uh, fly the nest and uh, set up their own homes, I guess. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And even then, uh, my experience has been that
1: sometimes that comes with its own challenges, you know, as they decide to form their own family traditions and their own ways of being that, uh, that sometimes, you know, their immediate families don't always understand the changes that they'd
0: like to, to introduce so I think no and of course if, yeah it's a lot right, more par- sure and their partner their parents will have a different way of doing things and it's uh, it gets back to the negotiating uh, skills again I think absolutely yeah it does and
1: and that's where those communication skills are so critical uh, and that's something that we always sort of keep working on to develop in our in our relationships
0: sure now I imagine uh, home schooling would have been uh, something that uh, you and Karen would have uh, been uh, heavily involved in um in the last few months Uh, so what what sort of scenarios have you heard from other parents and also from your own experience yeah it's been very interesting for us because we
1: actually do homeschool our family and uh and so we've had a lot of people turning to us over uh recent weeks to sort of say how do you how do you manage i'm struggling with you know one or two children how do you manage it with eight children and it is it is a huge transition for families to work out how to do that and i guess my encouragement you know my first sort of point of call would be to say just be really gentle on yourself. You know, it is a huge change to uh, the way that you manage your family and um, and uh, and children, you know, that suddenly they don't have a teacher telling them what to do and telling them when they should do it and uh, and working out how to manage that themselves and with the support of mum and dad. Is It's a huge transition. Um, and so, I guess the first thing is to just be really gentle with yourself and to sort of think of it as an experiment. All right, You know, we're trying to do something new here and, uh, and we're going to try out a few things as we work it. At it, but I think one of the big challenges is, um, is that I guess children need to learn how to motivate themselves, you know, rather than having a teacher standing yeah. there and driving them. Uh, and that's, a, I mean, that's actually a really important life skill. It's actually a real opportunity as well, but it's a, it, it's a hard one to learn. They're also trying to learn new skills. Oh, sure. Yeah. And new ways of relating, uh, new ways of relating to mum and dad, um, new skills for learning on their own and doing home based learning. And I think, you know, added to the mix of that, I think, David, is, you know, for, particularly for parents, is also a kind of a, I think for some parents, grieving a loss of the time for other things. You know, often they were doing other things during the day. You know, uh, one family I recently spoke to, the mum is doing uh, higher education studies And that time during the day when the kids were at school, that's when she sort of knuckled down and did her tutorials and her assignments and all those sorts of things. And now suddenly she's trying to do all that and also keep her kids on track with their own learning. And it has come with a really high level of frustration. And, And I think a loss of a kind of a grief of the loss of that time that she had just to be able to just focus on that one thing during the day.
0: Yeah, I imagine. So, I mean, motivation is, is a good point. Is it a structure of the day too? Is it important to have, uh, you know, the children are up at 7.30, then perhaps at a desk in their room or whatever at 8.30 or around the kitchen table. Is that structure important too for an everyday situation? Yeah, I think it depends on the family. I think for some families, definitely having structure helps.
1: Um, and to sort of know that, well, we do this at this time and we do this at that time or we do this, at um, you know, uh, later. And, uh, and certainly it helps with expectations. People feel hurt when they have expectations and then those don't get fulfilled they feel let down and yeah. so if uh, if everyone's on the same page about all right well this is when we're doing homeschooling and this is when we're taking a break for lunch um you know it creates clarity people know what to expect but to be sort of a bit flexible in that as well to know that you know each day is different and you know sometimes we're not feeling well or some other just you know things issues come up that are more pressing that need to be attended to for other families sure. and i think one of the things that we found particularly when our children were were younger um you know, what we've realized is that learning can take place at any time. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to happen uh, at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. It can also happen at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, and so some families, you know, that that flexibility to be able to do it in the evening or in the morning or have a sleep in and do it later in the day uh, can really work. Uh, But I guess the discipline there is that you've got to make sure you actually do it. Otherwise, you can easily sort of slip into a pattern of just sort of putting it off and putting it off because there are things that are more entertaining to to address but certainly I think one of the things that we've found is that while we really enjoyed that flexibility as the kids were little to be able to do homeschooling at any time of the day, as the family grew and the demands for homeschooling grew and we had, you know, our, you know um, our 14-year-old running their program and a six-year-old doing their program and our 17-year-old doing something different, we certainly found that um, increasing the level of discipline around having set times and a schedule for doing things certainly helped us. Uh, so, I sure. absolutely would encourage couples if they're, and
0: families, if they're, um, if they're sort of struggling, maybe that's a good starting point. Yeah, no, that's a, that's good advice. Absolutely, uh, Derek. Older siblings have a better understanding, or would have a better understanding of the pandemic situation. Obviously, do you think they generally have a more prominent role to play in uh, in a household?
1: Yeah, look, I, I think they do. Um David, and I think it's really tough for them. um I really have a a, a real heart for older siblings. Um, Karen and I were both the eldest in our own families and uh, and one of the things that they say is that the toughest place to be in a family is the oldest child of two eldest siblings because uh because they have no mercy. You know what we had to put up with it, <laughs> suck it up no, yeah. life's tough. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, so I really do feel for uh, for our eldest Elijah. I sort of think you know it's uh, it is a little bit tough because uh, I guess there's more responsibility on them at a time like this to help you know contribute to the family and the way things are working and at the same time it comes in a time of their life where you know as i said before they're trying to stretch their wings they're trying to discover who they are and um what they who they want to be in life and so there's that sort of tension to want to do their own thing uh and at the same time a sense of responsibility and i guess one of the ways i think about it is that Families, um, all families need resources in in order to operate and to work well. You know, they need um, money, they need Mm -hmm. petrol to drive people around, they uh, need a roof over their head and clothes, but they also need uh, time to be able to spend with uh, each other. They need emotional resources, energy to bring joy and happiness and those sorts of things. And families are constantly drawing on all of those resources all the time. And um, and so, if, the, if a family is going to work well, we also have to be contributing. There's not like an unlimited supply of happiness, an unlimited supply of time. Yeah. You know, we all have to be sort of investing in order for a family to work well. And if it just relies on one or two people in terms of the parents, you know, families can really struggle. However, you know, if everyone is contributing siblings as well. um, That certainly makes a huge difference. And I guess sometimes for kids, it's hard to know what it is that they contribute. But but even just helping out with the chores without having to you know, complain or be told, um, you know, bringing their happy stories, things that have happened during the day that really work well for them. You know, that really makes a big difference to, uh, to parents and to family members, um, you know, bringing a spirit of joy uh, when they can and contributing that to the family life. That really helps actually a lot. And so uh, there is a big yeah. role for siblings to, to play in terms of helping the overall dynamics of the family and making sure that there is a pool
0: of resources yeah. that we can all draw upon sure uh older siblings aside it'd be true to say obviously the parents with younger kids have to cope with a different set of problems
1: yeah absolutely yeah i think with uh with you know parents of younger children um everything relies on their shoulders you know uh, there's a certain especially with uh when the kids are at school school takes a certain level of the the burden of responsibility in terms of educating children and managing their time during the day it can be really hard for parents to be thrown into the role of having to look after all you know small children and uh, and as i said you know, I really encourage, you know, um, parents of small children, just be gentle on yourself, especially with the homeschooling side of things. You know, you're doing something new. It's a new skill. And and just, you know, like for all of us, any new skill, whether it's in learning a new language or learning a new musical instrument, um, you know, it's hard at the beginning. You know, we have to be patient with ourselves. I guess with families yeah. that have young children, though, um, you know, a piece of advice that I would have is to – recognize there's actually an opportunity here that we don't want to lose sight of. And this is a time to really cherish you know the additional time that we have with small children. You know, we never get that back. I don't think, you know, when we're in the middle of it, we never realise, I think, you know, how important these early years are and uh, and the opportunity to just have our, have time with our children at the ages of sort of four, five, six, seven, eight. Um, you know, they are curious about the world. They're wanting to grow up and be adults themselves. Um, you know, they're excited by simple things Problems are often just fixed with a band aid, um, you know. Yeah. And uh, if we're so caught yeah. up in our own stress, sometimes we we forget to lose sight of the. There's an opportunity here to really just spend time with the people that I love, uh, and to you know grow closer to them and to form memories.
0: Yeah, no, no, that that's good advice. I mean, we're, as I said, my children are in their twenties now, and it doesn't seem that long ago they were three or four. And that, that time just goes so quickly. And you can look back on photos and see them in their little jumping things and whatever. And you, you know, you can't believe that it was fifteen, twenty years ago. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think about
1: uh, our, our first, our eldest uh, Elijah, and I, and uh, you know, he's uh, eighteen now, and I, I think it just seemed like yesterday that he was in, uh, in diapers. And I and I kind of think I wish I'd spend. <laughs> and I know I did spend a lot of quality time, but there's still this part of me that kind of goes, I wish I'd spent more time. And now with our youngest, uh, little Micah, he's only two years old, and, uh, and I really take the time to, you know, when he's just yesterday, for instance, he was digging in the sand out the back, and, uh, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to sit down yeah. with him and just spend a bit of time with him because this is actually really important.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. My my only regret is I, I spent many hours kicking the football with my son and now he has no interest in football. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you know, you built a great
1: relationship. You know, I tried an experiment True. over Christmas, uh, David, and my experiment was in the, when I had the, the break holiday was that anytime my children asked to spend time with me, I would say yes, regardless of what I was doing. I just put down what I was doing and spend time with them doing whatever it was that they sort of wanted to do. And I just sort of thought, I'll just see what that's like. And and everything that was on my to do list uh for the Christmas holidays, not one thing on that list got done. But at the same time, I don't regret a moment of it. I had a ball. I really sure. enjoyed spending time with uh with my kids and putting that as a priority. And you know what? Those other things will get done. They'll just get done on a different day. So I really encourage
0: yeah. people to yeah, do that. Absolutely. No, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Now, my parents used to say that love can get you through anything, that uh, life's curveballs throw up. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Look, I think love gets you a long way in
1: relationships. Uh, I guess my thoughts on that are, are that sometimes love doesn't conquer all though. You know, love doesn't fix um, illnesses, love doesn't balance checkbooks, love doesn't fix leaking taps, you know, doctors do those things, accountants do those things, plumbers do those things, and I think it's a real strength to know when to ask for help, you know, when we realise that, you know, despite the fact that we love each other, we don't have all the skills that we need here to be able to be happy as a family, and uh, to know that we should, uh, you know, reach out, ask for help, look for support, uh, is really, really important. That's actually a strength to know when to ask for help. That's not a weakness or a vulnerability however yeah, I think, sure. yeah and i think you know but i guess times like this i think do teach us a lot about love and help us to grow in love um you know when we sort of find ourselves in difficult situations it actually is a real opportunity to grow in patience to grow in respect to grow in um gentleness uh, you know my experience has been that you know if i you know if i pray for gen- uh, for patience for instance God yes. rewards me with difficult people right like you know <laughs> difficult situations <laughs> that demand my patience help me to grow in that virtue and i think you, you know, brought it
0: on yourself yeah that's right
1: exactly <laughs> uh, i sort of realized that you know i should never pray for humility because uh because i find myself in quite humiliating situations very quickly i think it's god's way of saying well here's the way to grow that skill derek um, and i think uh, and i think you know the same goes with covid-19 i think it is tough it is really difficult and uh and, uh, and it's actually an opportunity for us to learn how to grow in patience and how to grow in gentleness with one another, uh, how to grow in respect, you know, of someone who, you know, sometimes doesn't always get along with me or has different opinions to me um, rather than getting caught up in reactivity, you know, and, uh, and criticism. That yeah. uh, if we sort of see this, actually this is an opportunity here for me to, to develop some virtues in the way I relate to people that I love. I think, you know, I think love in that instance will yeah.
0: certainly go a long way to helping a lot of relationships sure uh, staying with love a loving family will have their fair share of disagreements as we've discussed many times before mm. uh, can you pa- can you pass on some tips for families that are struggling especially now during covid-19 and uh, how they can better work together as a family unit yeah
1: absolutely i think when uh, when families are struggling i think one of the things that's really easy to do is to find someone to blame you know we often sort of talk about the black sheep in the family and uh, and that if this person just changed all these problems would go away. But, you know, families are, are really more like systems and they're pretty complex. You know, they're a complex system of interactions. You know, I say this and then you react that way and then I react to your reactivity and then someone else in the family gets cranky about the way that we're relating to one another or they join yeah. in and take sides and suddenly it becomes much more complex. And uh, that's really the way, I guess, families works. Is they're complex systems uh, as opposed yeah. to just individuals. and. And so, rather than sort of getting caught up in blaming one person or, you know, one or two people, if that only change, things would be different. And if we think about it as a system, then the key is to change the process. You know, I think one of the things that you said earlier, David, I think, which is a great uh, suggestion is having a schedule, you know, for um, when it comes to to homeschooling. But we can do those sorts of things in our family life as well. Realise, okay, there's something here. This person isn't maybe doing their, their chores the way we'd like them to. We can sort of blame that person or we could experiment with different ways of changing the process we could have a time of day where you know what everybody does their chores and that way everything gets done within the next half an hour an hour and we don't have to worry or we could set certain times of the week in which uh things get done Around the house, or maybe this particular task is actually too demanding for this person. Maybe we need to give them a, a different chore around the house instead—that's more manageable for them. But if we sort of think in terms of processes that aren't working and what we need to change, it really stops us from getting, you know, entrenched in taking sides and, and caught up in criticism yeah. and, and reactivity and negativity. I think is is one really um, important thing for families to consider. And I guess the, the second thing is, you know, as I said earlier, is think of it as an experiment. You know. I guess experiments are, you know, things that scientists try to learn. And uh, and there's no mm. bad experiment. You know, if it doesn't work, well, we learned that, that that doesn't work, you know. And if it does work, then great, we discovered something new. And uh, and new times call for new ways of being. And it is an experiment. So, we should uh, kind of come up with a view to, you know what, let's try this. And let's just try it for a week and see how that works in our family and if it doesn't work well we will sit down on saturday afternoon and we'll come up with a different experiment and try things yeah. differently yeah. um that way there's no pressure to have to make every situation work you know we just can't predict the future we don't know how our different family members will react or respond to different initiatives that we try to put in place and so uh so if we treat it as an experiment then it doesn't come with a lot of blame it comes with a, okay well we tried this and that doesn't work we'll try something new
0: yeah Yeah, well, an old teacher of mine many years ago once said there was no such thing as a bad idea. I'm not sure I I still agree with that, but uh, he he was he thought, well, an idea is an idea; it might not work, but you can discuss it and try something and see what happens. So, perhaps there's an element of truth in that. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. You know, certainly in our home, you know, you know, when it
1: comes to getting things done around the house, you know, we I would say almost every six months we change everything up completely because. Everyone is different. They're older. They have new skill levels. They have different interests. They're doing doing different things with their time. And so just because also we work out something that works now, it doesn't mean a month from now that that's still going to work because I guess we're living beings and we're constantly growing and changing and uh, and an openness to the fact that, all right, just because it worked in the past, it doesn't mean it's going to work now. We're going to experiment with something new.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, certainly COVID-19 has uh, upended our lives in ways we wouldn't have uh, envisaged uh, six months ago, but uh, it will be interesting to see in uh, the years ahead uh, what uh, long-lasting implications there, there are. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. It's been great having you on the show, Derek. We have an excellent series ahead and our next episode is on communications, which we know is a really big part of having good relationships. In fact, it's so important we're going to devote two episodes. I think it's such an important area and I think we're all born wanting really great relationships,
1: but we're not born with the skills to, to build them. And so anytime we focus on how best to communicate, how best to connect with one another, I think that's always a great place to start with building healthy
0: relationships. It is indeed, and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks again, Derek. See you next episode. You're very welcome, David. Thank you. This has been Figuring Out Families by Magellan Media. If anything in this podcast has raised issues for you, visit our webpage, www.magellan.media forward slash guides for a comprehensive list of support agencies. Make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode. And remember to visit www.magellan.media for more details or to leave a comment. You can also leave a comment on our Figuring Out Families Facebook page. Thanks for listening. I'm David Ahern. Until next time, this has been Figuring Out Families brought to you by Magellan Media.